Can I just preach on that? The name of this is walking with God in a nation filled with compromise. Five points. It'll take me a while. There's a lot of scripture to read at the end, but y'all, we got to talk. I feel um <clears throat> I feel as a pastor very responsible to do the right thing. How many know Jesus is coming back? Second Peter, you know, God said there would be scoffers through Peter. He said they'd be scoffers at the end saying he's not coming back. Everything continues as it is. And I mentioned last week, uh, I think it was first service, normalcy bias. A normalcy bias says everything keeps going the way it is. So there's no reason to think anything's going to detour or be different now. Uh, Jesus said people to think, well, Peter said, inspired by the Spirit, said people would be thinking that way before he come back. Where's the promise of his coming? Everything just keeps going on hunky-dory. We're just having fun. In America, we are having fun. But one day, the fun days will come to an abrupt end. And we need to be aware of that and then be willing to uh, make some changes. I can tell you where we're at. I've been praying a good bit. And uh, God's coming for every life. Yes, he is. Yes. He's coming to visit you. question is, are you going to open the door and let Him in? Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to believers, not non-believers. And if any man will, any Christian will, if he'll open the door, I'll come in and share a meal with him. In the first century, you share a meal with somebody, they're your friend. I mean, you like them because you're eating with them, right? Yeah, that's the way it is right now. So God's doing something fresh in me. And I feel like He's not just doing it in me, but worldwide, God is preparing the body of Christ for His return in the days that preface His return. How many want to hear what He's saying? So i got five points here. Number one, we live in a loose and immoral atmosphere. Compromises everywhere. How many figure that out? Uh, these notes are on uh, Uversion. You can go to Uversion app, open it up, and then go to the bottom where it says more. Click on that. Screen comes up, click events, click events. You'll see a map of Raleigh, and you'll see our church, and you can get my, okay, you can get my uh, notes. Because I may not get to everything I've got to say. We're living in a, a days of lack, laxness and looseness spiritually. I may figure that out. Not just spiritually, there's sin and compromise everywhere. How many know that? I read a, an article, I actually put it on my Facebook page, uh, uh, historian David Barton teamed up with Barna Group and they polled 384,000 churches. That's a, that's a lot of churches in America, about one on every corner, but they just polled 384,000 of them. And, and it, the, the results were shocking. And now this uh, crosses all the mainline denominational denominations, all churches, whatever uh, of the persuasion may be. 72, here's what they found out of 374,000 churches, 72% of the churches and senior pastors do not agree with the Bible and its teachings in lots of ways. Now, when I read that, that really shocked me. That means that just leaves 28% that do agree with the Bible. Now, I'm in that camp. But then, then he made the statement that was a bit astounding. Out of the 28%, that's not quite a third of the churches in America. Out of them, only 2.8% of the pastors are willing to talk about the issues of today. Because they may lose people. Huh? So that made me think, you know, if, if pastors are compromising, what's the average believer doing? Yes or no? You know, we're living in a compromising age, would you say? And because of that, we're losing the battle for our culture. And if we're not very, very careful, one day our liberties will be gone. And there will be demands made on you that you don't want to adhere to, but you may not have a choice unless, uh, unless you're willing to pay a deep price. How many hear me? Yeah. So the three words, when you think about compromise... Three words come to my mind. I don't want any of these three words to be a part of my life. So can I challenge you with three words? 
Compromise can breed three things. Number one, complacency. This is Webster's Dictionary definition of complacency. There it is, quiet satisfaction, contentment, the quality or state of being satisfied, a calm sense of well-being and security. Self-satisfaction accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. That's a challenge, isn't it? You know, it makes me think, you know, you can go to YouTube, there's probably billions of... of um, Videos on YouTube, you could see, you know, somebody, I've watched, you've seen the videos of somebody on the beach, particularly like 2004 Indonesia. Remember that? Was it Indonesia? And uh, and so everybody's on the beach, some of them are drinking, you know, their, their favorite beverage, and others are laying out getting some sun, kids are playing ball. You can see them on the beach, you know. Got their favorite boat right there at the edge of the water. And then here comes the tsunami, and, and before they can even prepare, it has swept many of them away. Right? Wow. So, uh, unaware of actual dangers or deficiencies. Now, my, my, my position here is there's some dangers ahead. And if we're not careful, we'll be run over by them. Right now, is, the, is it a potential that we can do something about them? Perhaps. But only if we wake up and wake up quickly. Number two, complacent is another word. Marked. By satisfaction and pleasure at one's own personality, accomplishments, or situations. Satisfaction about the security of one's own position. Hmm. Careless acceptance of events around one. And then this last part. Disinclined to act, to change, or to guard. I'm just going to sit right where I'm at. I've been doing this for the last X period of time. I'm good. We're good. How you doing? I'm good. Complacent, Com- commonplace. Now this one's challenging. Anything common or ordinary, neither new nor interesting, obvious or trite. Sin has become commonplace in America. Yes or no? And now it's so prevalent and pervasive that we it hardly gets our, you know, we hardly think about it. Gets our attention to, to, you know, forcefully want to do something about it spiritually. You know, right? So here are ten symptoms of complacency. Check your life out by these ten symptoms of complacency. And if you notice any of the, these, let it drive you to a place alone and drive you to your knees and pray. How's that? Is that good? Number one, lack of spiritual hunger. You know, hunger is a sign of health. But, you know, if you eat the wrong things, how many know you'll, it'll curb your appetite? And I've told you the story of my, one of my daughters loved little pieces of candy that Susan would hide from them in the cabinet. And then she, we didn't know it, but I wonder, she would, oh, we got four children, they were young, this is in the 90s. And we're all sitting around the table and everybody, you know, we, you know, we got our food and we've dipped it and we're all sitting around eating and talking and such, but she's just kind of playing with her food. You know, just kind of nibbling here, nibbling. Not really. I said, you're hungry? I said, why are you not hungry, man? It's time to eat. We didn't let him eat between meals, you know. I snuck down to her bedroom after a meal, you know. She didn't eat. Candy wrappers all around. No kids, she missed the trash can there on the floor. You found Mama's stash, didn't you? That candy took her hunger. Friends, the candy of the world can take your spiritual hunger away. So if I'm not hungry for Jesus, something else has taken its place. Because if I'm a real true believer, I'm going to be hungry for God. Are you hungry for the Bible? Are you hungry for prayer? The church services seem exciting to you, or I got to do, I got to do that, or I have a guilty conscience. Hmm. Number two, little concern for the unsaved. Do you have eternity in your eyes when you see someone? Every person that you meet or see, whether it's online or here, in person, somewhere in person, every person that you see has an eternal spirit nature. And they'll spend eternity in heaven or hell. How, how does your relationship with them affect them? A little concern for those that don't know the Lord. Number three, uh, lack of intimate fellowship with believers. Number four, prayerlessness. Number five, slack attendance and involvement. In a local church, 2005 statistics say 
uh, out of four Sundays of the month, generally believers would come to church four Sundays out of the month. Today, less than two Sundays out of them. I don't have to get 1.8, that's the stat. Come to a service and if it's too long, leave halfway through. I don't know, whatever. Slack attendance involvement. Number six, legitimate activities consume time needed for spiritual nourishment. Or I should have said what we consider legitimate activities. Yeah, stinginess, number seven. Number eight, little spiritual growth in the last six months. Have you changed the last six months? You know, there are areas of your life you can say, I'm not there where I was, I'm not where I'm going to be, but I ain't there now. If you can't say that, something's wrong. Uh, number nine, a general feeling of self-satisfaction. I was a young man, no kidding, I hate to tell you this. I was on staff at the church in Oklahoma. It was a big church, you know. I had a big, pretty sizable position in the church, responsible for a lot of things. I was sitting there praying when they said, God, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I should have never said that. Because number one, it was pride. And secondly, it exposed my deficiencies deeply. And then after I did that, God gave me a few scripture like, search me, oh God, know my heart, test me, I know my thoughts, you know. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. And then he gave me Psalm 90, verse 8, our Amplified Bible, right after I thought that. And it's kind of, Lord, aren't you proud of me? Psalm 90, verse 8, our iniquities, our secret heart and its sins, which we would so like to conceal, even from ourselves. We conceal who we are from ourselves because we don't want to face it. You have set in the revealing light of your countenance. There's something about God and His presence, His visage, that makes everything plain. Huh? You know, I've got a halogen light. In my business days, I had a business. I had this big halogen light. You turn, and we were painting walls in new houses and old houses and stuff. And you have what you call holidays and on a wall where the paint didn't adhere. You got some abrasions on the wall that you can't see, you know, with a regular light. But put that halogen light on it and you just angle that thing a little bit. I mean, you say, that's a nasty wall. I thought I did a good job. Oh, man, I got some work to do. Or you got people working for you. Say, so you know, you miss that, 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 that. And that's what the light of God's presence does. It exposes. And exposing is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Whom the Lord loves, He challenges. Right? Then lastly, a nonchalant and tolerant attitude toward personal sin. Do I tolerate personal sin and... Well, in the, in the auspices of, well, God understands me. That's just one of my faults. That's, that's one of my flaws that's kind of ingrained in me the way I was raised and influences. He understands me. No, He understands that sin. And see, God hates sin because it hurts us. And God loves us. How many hear me? So number four. Well, ending that, I'd say without intentional living, we compromise our life with God and become complacent. So number four here, number three was ten symptoms of complacency. Number four, today we're experiencing what Lot experienced in Sodom and Gomorrah. Except it's a whole lot worse. Huh? So that's verses kept coming to me over and over in the last while. Second Peter 2. 7 through 9, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. That's a strong word, would you say? You listen to some people, God never judges sin, but He does. Jesus went to the cross and was judged for my sin and yours. In fact, not only judged, He became our sin. Every sin you've ever committed, He became. Yeah, every lie, every deception, every fraud, every lust, every sexual perversion, every, everything, He became. And then not only that, He went to hell and stayed there until God was satisfied that my sin debt was paid. That's kind of, would you say that's a big deal? Oh, that's, ju- that's called sin judgment. Jesus was judged for my sin. When I accept Jesus, I accept the fact that He took my judgment so that I can be free. 
Is that good? Now that's grace. Grace is not a permission to do what I want because Jesus went to the cross. Grace is an empowerment to live a pure life and overcome the things that have bothered me for a long time. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yeah? It's quiet. So, um, we're challenged the way Lot was. Now, I just sat in my office, and I just started writing. I came up with 21 things. It's a partial list of cultural challenges. Lot had cultural challenges. Would you agree? And he had to go outside of his house every day and face those cultural challenges. Don't forget Lot. Lot was an upright man. He, he wanted God, you know. He was kin to Abraham, you know. And then God dispatched a couple of angels from heaven and said, won't you go check out Sodom, the neighboring city, Gomorrah. Tell me what you see. The angels come down. And they went to where the city that Lot was living in. And the people were so wicked. They said, hey, Lot, who's coming to visit you? He said, oh, some friends. They look like humans. How many know angels can look like humans? Many have entertained angels unawares. There might be some sitting in here with you today. Huh? And the angels came. And Lot said, well, they're just some friends of mine. And the men surrounded his house said, them some pretty men. We'd like to kiss them. We'd like to make love to those men. Lot threw him in his house and said, no, 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 no. The angels went in the house with the Lot said, I'll take care of them. One went outside and I don't know what he did. Just, you know, we got all these movies today. They just go, and things happen. So maybe so. And the guys went blind. And the angel said, judgment's coming, get ready. So Lot had to deal with lots of things. In America now, in our schools, in our universities, in our businesses, in our social life, in our culture in general, Hollywood, everything around us. It's beset by all kinds of nastiness, perversion, and twisted truth. Yes or no? I was prepared for a Baptist church today. It's mighty quiet. When I was a little boy, I went to a Southern Baptist church and you could hear a pin dot drop when the preacher was preaching. Right? So here's a partial list. Can I go through them? I've got to be careful. I'm watching the clock because I have other things to share after this. But just give you an idea of some things we're challenged with the way Lot was. Are y'all interested in hearing? Number one, most singles live together before marriage. Now I've got to put a disclaimer on everything I'm about to say. I've got several points here. And these are on our morals. So understand this. There is an ideology today that says, if you disagree with me, you hate me. That is not true. When did we lose our ability to dialogue with somebody we disagree with? Why did we lose that? Why did we allow that? If you come up to me and say, Pastor, I don't agree with a stinking thing you said. You know what I'll probably say? Well, God bless you. Second thing I'll say, can we talk? Come and see me. Let's talk. I want to hear what you got to say. And you know what I'll do? I'll sit my butt right in the chair and I'll listen. Uh, that's dialogue, right? So, uh, so I've got to make a disclaimer. Now, I, I've got to say some really tough things today. It doesn't mean I don't like the people. And it doesn't mean God loves each person deeply. Yes or no? Period. Regardless of what you're doing or what you're involved in, the truth is, He loves you deeply and His love draws us away from things that hurt us. Yes or no? If He didn't love us, He would never talk to us. But because He loves us, He confronts. i got four children, I promise you. I was a disciplinarian. And when I saw an attitude that I knew later on would harm any of my four children, I said, we got to talk, uh, make a beeline to my bedroom. My bedroom was off limits because that's the place me and Susan are. I said, don't even touch the doorknob unless I give you permission. That's my bedroom. So one of my daughters used to put notes under my door because she never touched the door. She put a note. 
Let's say go to my bedroom. If I, if, if I say go to my bedroom and sit on my bed, that means, oh my Lord Jesus, something's going to happen here. So I just talked to him. So now there's an attitude here. If you have that attitude now, you got to deal with me. But if you have a job, a mortgage, a car payment, you got diapers you got to buy for baby's bottoms, and, and you got to buy food for everybody in your family and pay insurance and all the stuff that we adults have to do, guess what? You have that attitude towards your boss. You, you, you won't have a job, and then, and then you won't have a place to live because you won't have any money, and then, and then you won't be able to drive. You'll have to walk, and then you won't be able to eat. You'll have to, you have to go to the garbage can, and then what are you going to do then? And there's big eyes. And they understood. I can say one thing about my kids today. They're utterly responsible. Now see, God's that way towards us. Yes or no? Whom the Lord loves. He treats us as a child, right? He treats us as His children, right? So I've got to say this. So just because I say something that's challenging doesn't mean I don't care care about the people that may be involved in those challenges. You get it? So number one, most singles live together before marriage. That's called in the Bible fornication. I've never watched this, but I did notice in perusing and looking around on the TV, there was a show called Californication. I never watched it. That's weird, right? I thought they took that word from the Bible. And they're, they're slandering that word. And they're doing, I bet, and I never look because I ain't looking. I do an opposite of what the Bible says with fornication. How many know fornication is sex outside of marriage? How many know God created sex for married people? Today, today, in American culture, sex is pleasure. And we have the same attitude the Corinthians had, and I gotta watch the time. The Corinthians had the idea, well, God gave me a stomach, my stomach gets hungry, so I eat foods I like. So with that, with that ideology, they said, they really did. They said, well, God gave me a drive for sex. And because I'm, I like sex, then I can satisfy that appetite for sex anywhere with anybody at any time. And Paul said, uh, 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 that's not supposed to work that way. Huh? Yes or no? You can reference 1 Corinthians 6, 13. For that food for the stomach stomach for the food but god will destroy both it and them the body was not made for fornication but for the lord yes or no but now you know the idea again is well you know you try a car out before you drive it so you need to have sex before you get married because you need to check out if you like the way that person has sex now that's ridiculous but that's american culture today yes or no there may be some people in the room, you're living in fornication right now. In fact, you can't wait to leave church. That could be. Y'all, I'm a pastor. Don't forget, I've been in this since 1981 in ministry. I have heard things that I should never hear. Number two, abortion has become an acceptable alternative to an inconvenient pregnancy. So, number one, when was pregnancy about, in, about convenience? Susan had four. I got a daughter who's about ready to bust right now. She's ready to have a baby. I mean, she's saying, get this thing out of me. Her due date's Wednesday, and I mean, she's ripe. Susan's headed there today, by the way. Right? Yeah, pregnancy's not about convenience. Pregnancy's about life. And after you have babies, you know what you find out? Life is not about me. And life is not about convenience for me, because once you have a baby, life is inconvenient. Would you agree? <laughs> but abortion. What about abortion? Well, if I, if I do things that make me pregnant, like have sex, then I can just do something with that inconvenience. It's just a tissue. No, it's not. It's a baby made in the image of God. Did you know there? I've read from two individual independent sources. There's a place in heaven called infant paradise. And it's for the babies that undergo natural abortion. Sometimes the body just... You know, loses the baby. Susan used to work for a pathologist years ago, and she actually saw the little babies because they had to do tissue cultures on them. See, it's a fully formed little baby, just, you know, maybe an inch or two, fully, you can see the toes and the feet and the legs and the arms. There it is, a little baby. It's not completely, but it's a baby, right? There's an infant paradise in heaven where they go because they have to learn how to live just like you. They got to be educated just by you. They just don't get to do it on terra firma, earth. And they're educated by angels. Hmm. 
abortion. But today, abortion, is that a viable alternative? It shouldn't be an immoral nation. So we're immoral. Number three, same-sex marriage has been legitimized by our Supreme Court. Now, what does that mean? That means, that means a man marrying a man or a woman marrying a woman or a person marrying a transgender person. Those relationships are equated by the law equal, uh, equal opportunity. So what is that saying? That's saying our government sanctions what God says is perversion. And do you think that we won't be judged for that? Hello? Number four, homosexual and lesbian relationship have become normalized and accepted in the political world, the business world, the scholastic world, in American culture by Hollywood and all that. Yes or no? And if you don't agree, you're threatened or ostracized publicly. I mentioned this last week. You may lose your job if you don't tow, tow the PC line at work. I've heard a lot of people tell me, and I, they've told me how they deal with it. Yes or no? Is this true or not? I mean, even me saying something publicly from a pulpit, like, what you doing talking like that? Because the Bible tells me I need to do this. And if I don't, something's wrong with me. If I don't, I love me more than I love people. Yes or no? Can I get more real? If I don't, I love the money people put in the bucket more than I love the Word of God and His presence and His way. And that's what shuts a lot of pastors up today. That's why what I just said, 72% of the churches don't even believe the Bible. No, no, it's all about you got a big machine running. Listen, we got 16 people on our staff. Do you think I don't feel, I mention this to the men, do you think I don't feel pressure? Just a little bit. We got a mortgage. Guess whose name is on everything? All the credit cards we have, the mortgage payments we have, all of the legal stuff we do at church. Who is ultimately responsible? Moi. Me. Right? If we default, they're coming after me. Because I'm head of the board of directors too. Do you think I don't think about that? Sure I do. But I have to ask myself, what's more important? The will of God, the Word of God, people's lives, eternity? Or, or, or my comfort? I'm trying to make it plain. I have to say this again. If you're, you have homosexual tendencies, I've had men sit in front of me and say, you know, I love men like you love women. And I say, well, I love women. I love my wife. One. I have one woman. He said, well, I love men that way. I said, well, you know, you're in sin, sir. And he said, I know it, but I have this craving. You know, demon spirits give you cravings. You're not born with a defective gene. you got to be plain. Science never says, has never said that. And anybody that has said science says that is lying. Huh? Yes or no? But it's not PC to say what I'm saying right now. And this is going on the internet. I get that too. And I really don't care. Listen, I've had lesbians. In fact, listen to this. Oh, this is like 1987. I don't know if you realize, uh, in 1980s, I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for eight years. And uh, in Tulsa, uh, per capita for the, um, for the uh, population of America, per capita, they were second highest concentration of homosexuals and lesbians, second to San Francisco, California. Now, I was in my 20s in the 1980s. That dates me now. I get it. But... Uh, but I, I, I had to address a lot of stuff, and I learned a lot of things as a young man. And I had to learn them really fast. And I was fairly ig ignorant because I'm from Podunkville, South Carolina. And I've been, never been around this kind of stuff. So it's kind of shocking me when I've got a guy that owns a Christian bookstore who's a homosexual. Or I've got a man that comes in one Thursday morning and he lays his head on my big broad shoulder and he's weeping his eyeballs out and putting his tears on my suit coat. And then he sits in my office and said, I just got home. 
and with a trembling bottom lip, hardly able to speak, he said, I found my wife in bed with another woman. Now that hurts. I mean, he felt rejected, but he was rejected by a perversion of the normal. Huh? And we had people in our church, even then, women holding hands with women, and they just weren't holding hands to pray. They were holding hands, rubbing each other's fingers. I love you. Can't wait to get out of church. We're going to hug and kiss and smooch. They were lesbians. I've never told you all this. One day, one day we had some awesome praise and worship like we had. Don't you love our praise and worship? We had some awesome praise and worship. Listen to this. And, and no kidding, um, the praise and worship leader, when he finished, we, at, during that time, everybody dressed up to the nines and we had these big chairs, you know, and all the big gurus in the church sit in the chair. We had chairs up on the stage. He finishes praise and worship. He gets in the chair, down on the chair on his knees and weeps his eyeballs out. I went in his office because he was a friend of mine. Monday, I said, why in the world are you weeping? Yesterday, he said, Mitch, while I was leading praise and worship, the homosexuals are giving each other signals. They were looking at each other. It has a certain way of looking at each other because they were going to hook up after church. And he said, we were singing about the holiness of God and it just grieved me so bad and I cried. I wept with him that day. Number five, our schools are teaching that homosexual and lesbian relationships and marriage are normal parts of society. Question, parents, grandparents, are you doing anything about that? Are there textbooks that are coming home? Are you going to PTA meeting, meetings? Are you challenging teachers that you don't allow your child to hear that because that's going to normalize something in their head that should never be normal to any human? If you're not, you're adding to the problem and not helping the problem. Yes or no? Number six, transgender ideology is being taught as an acceptable choice for human behavior. Now the question is not are you male and female, but how do you self-identify? Susan had some skin tags. I guess I can tell that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Has some skin tags, you know. And then had a, a, a mole she wanted a dermatologist to look at. So she'd never been to this office. So, you know, she called him and then they gave her a link and she went to an online database. And there she had to fill out some online data about her and her health and such. And then she said, Mitch, come here. I said, what? Look at this. So, so you know, the part, are you male? Are you female? Here's what they had on the form. How do you self-identify? And it put male, click, female, self-identified female. I'm not making this up. Self-identified male. What does that mean? Well, there's a person, if you self-identify, that means you're a male, but you think you're a female. You got all the parts of the anatomy of a male. But you want to act like a female. Or you're a female, you got the anatomy of a female, but you want to act like a male. That's a self-identify. That's what they call it now, right? That's different, right? I know some of you are looking at me like, man, well, that's what's happening in our culture. Yes or no? No, it's not like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's worse. huh? And now this is taught as something acceptable. In our, and we think, why are we having problems in our culture? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's uh, pushed as normal to be born a male but act like a female and vice versa. Uh, let me just remind all of us that the Scriptures are clear, and I don't know if I'll have time to get to it today, but no fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, lesbian, and chronic porn addicts will be able to enter the gates of heaven. Look how quiet it got. Did you hear what I just said? Come back next week and I'll tell you why. Seriously, y'all, we think we can live any old way. And God's going to say, he's just the Santa Claus in disguise. I just love you. I know you didn't mean to do that. I know you were a man and you acted like a woman, but you didn't mean to. I know, I understand. No, it's sin. Yes or no? 
Child sex trafficking is being brought to the surface. The elitist of our day. Yes or no? It's in the news right now. Huh? Little girls. 14, 15, I just read two articles this week. There's a 27-year-old teacher just got 20 years in the penitentiary for having sex with a 13-year-old while his classmates watched. Do we have problems? Or here's another 27-year-old teacher. She had sex with a 17-year-old girl, and they both said, we're in love, and they patted her hand. Things are not well. Number nine, statistics indicate that a majority of Americans view pornography and has become the new source of escape from the pressures of living. And that includes Christians. Huh? Just keep looking straight forward ahead. You know, you're looking at pornography. That's somebody's daughter. Would you want your daughter to be in a porn flick? Would you want your son to be in a porn flick with a porn actress? That's somebody's kids. I got grandkids. Y'all? <laughs> you need to think that way and change life if you need to. Number 10, personal dress has become loose and promiscuous. When did it become right to show every crevice and every crack you got to every person around? I got to be plain, y'all. I go to Walmart. I go to Target. I go to the mall. My God. Most of the time, Susan, I say, Susan, just hold my hand. Be right by me. I think I'll just look right here. Because everywhere you look, it's like they shouldn't be showing that, shouldn't be. So, ladies, if you're, if you're wearing those pants that were painted on you, question mark, why are you doing that? My daughter's never left my house unless they covered up. I say, you won't be leaving the house in that. Oh, we co- you wearing a dress? Oh, okay, if you're wearing a dress and that's leggings and it's, co- okay, fine. But, but if everybody's going to see everything you got, it won't be happening today. I'm daddy. And I happen to love you. And I know little boys because I used to be one. And a man's sex drive has to do with eyeballs. Yes or no, men? So women, are you wanting men to look at you? If so, the Bible calls that lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is doing things to incite and elicit sex, uh, sex lust from the opposite sex. You can be lascivious in the way you talk, in the way you carry yourself, in the way you dress. Yes or no? Oh, man. Help us, Jesus. Y'all Okay. So men, I mean, come on now. Why are you unbuttoning that shirt all the way down here showing your chest hair? Why are you wearing those? Y'all, we were at a, no, we were at a church conference. I had my staff and women on my staff. I was a shy. I wanted to put my coat over, say no. Here's the man speaking in a big church conference. He was poured into his britches. You could see. It's like, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Oh, and my women were like, (laughs) y'all. Mirror, it was there, it turned you back, right? Yeah. Y'all, come on, what's wrong? Huh? Let me just say, if I catch you in the foyer and you're wearing that nasty stuff, I'm going to talk to you. Huh? It's not because... I'm, I'm just like a daddy. If I don't, I don't care. And the court culture has absorbed me. Yes or no? Let me move on. Um, number 11, preoccupation with the body dominates cultural thought. So now you got to carve out that six-pack abs, the six-pack abs. you got to have the curvaceous butt, and they got the butt max and this and that. Oh, this is crazy, y'all. Why are we doing all this? That, listen, I'm old enough I can say this. I exercise a lot. I just rode 28 miles a couple of days. It's hot as blazing. I, actually, I work out with weights, all that. But I don't do it for what you can see. I do it so I can be healthy as I age. Huh? 
Because you can work it out, work it up. But you one day you're going to sag and bag. And you're going to have eight spots and all that goes with it. And you're not going to be able to do a stinking thing about it. My mama's 85 years old today. That was a hot woman she when she was young. She was beautiful. Red-haired, freckle-flayed face. So, so why are you putting all your time on that? Instead of time on the, the person on the inside, which remains beautiful for eternity. Yes? No-fault divorce provides an easy out to challenging marriages. 13, 40% of children born in America are born to unwed mothers. Because somebody can't keep their pants up. Because their flesh dominates them. Yes or no? Pleasure and entertainment take precedence over spiritual values. Lying is commonplace in business and political affairs. Money and a plush lifestyle are touted as more important than character. Yes or no? Y'all, illicit drug use has become a plague in all levels of society. I took drugs as a teenager. Let me tell you about drugs. The Greek word for witchcraft is the word pharmakia. We get our word pharmacy. Now, when I smoked pot and took pills, let me tell you what happened to me. I became a new person. Woo! I was introverted when I was young. I'm not now because my personality underwent a change But when I came to Jesus. But, but you know, when I, when I smoked pot, woo! Yay! Woo! And they want to legalize pot. They're wanting to legalize demon possession and demon oppression. Devils. Well, why do you think the Native American Indians smoked a peace pipe? Why do you think they were smoking? Yeah, something that would help, help them hallucinate and see things. Drugs and demons go hand in hand, friends. Be aware. Suicide, number 18, has become a viable alternative to life's pressure. Suicide is a horrible problem among the young and old today. Did you hear me? My own brother committed suicide two years ago in August. I know how that feels. I know what it looks like. I know all of the ins and outs of it. I know what he was thinking when he said, I'm going to end my life. I hope he got what he was looking for, but I'm, I'm not completely 100% convinced. If you think that suicide's a way out, be aware. Be aware. Be aware the ending may not be what you want. People can be sick in their heads like they're sick in their stomachs, and how many know God understands that? But if you willfully take your own life, that's called murder. And no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That's a challenge. That's a challenge for ministers. I've talked to lots of people throughout the years of my ministry here who have family members that have committed suicide and have talked to many, 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 and I use that just that way, people who are suicidal. And I know what they say and what they think and what they think is going to happen. And I encourage them, I can't promise you anything. Don't do it. Number 19, holding offense and slandering a person's character is now socially acceptable and is engaged in on all forms of social media by the general public as well as Christians. Yes or no? You should never say online anything you wouldn't say to someone's face or about someone if they weren't standing right there in, you, in your presence watching you. Yes or no? Gossip is commonplace. Yes or no? No, last one, 21, I added this one Friday. Deception is everywhere. Lies are spoken as total truth. So here's the deal. I don't care, you know, if you watch news... Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNBC, you know, ABC, DDD, whatever. And you, or you look at all the aggregates online and there's news aggregates here and there. Just be aware that when a person speaks, biases are automatically built in. And if you take carte blanche, everything you read and hear as truth, you are so stinking naive. You need somebody to hold your hand to take you to the bathroom. Because you are naive. <laughs> Stupid, yeah. How many hear me? Y'all. That's the reason Jesus said, the disciples said, what's it going to be like before you come back? He said, take heed that no man deceive you. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's a serious problem today. In America, it's horrible. 
So just be aware that things are, are changing rapidly. Our nation has fallen into a moral filth we've never experienced as a nation. How many hear me? Now this last point, I'll start, I'll, I'll pick this up next week. Because I want to talk to you about your Father God. He is the most amazing person, personage you'll ever know. And he is the purest person that you'll ever meet. Revelation 4, and I'll close with this. I'll read one scripture and close. Now, I got all these scriptures I want to read, but time left me. Angels are in heaven. You got these winged creatures around the throne of God that John saw while he was on the Isle of Patmos, Revelation 4. And they, they cease not day and night to cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with your glory. But in the Greek it says this, Holy, 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 nine times. Making a point. To make a point, you overemphasize. The angels emphasize the pristine holiness, purity, set-apartness of God. In American culture, our God's like a, a, a big Santa Claus who knows you, knows you mess up, and just kind of winks, blesses you anyhow, loves you. And everybody, and to, to the American culture, everybody's going to heaven. I've done 69 or 70 funerals as a pastor. And you don't know how many times I felt the pressure from family to preach that family member into heaven. Y'all know me, so I can't go into any detail and won't. But I will never do that. I found out a way that I don't have to do that, and I won't. But most people think God's too good to let them go to hell. No, He's too good to let you in heaven unless you're pure. And like y'all, you're only purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness we have done, but by His own mercy He saved us. You know, every Sunday morning I stand here, I look at the people, first service, then we got second service crowd. And I can't help but have the thought in my mind, am I going to see all these faces I see on Sunday morning? Am I going to see them in heaven? I want to, and I pray so. Kenneth Hagin was preaching. I went to his school back in 1980. That dates me. But he was uh, visiting a church in Texas. And he heard this pastor say about heaven. He said, well, you know, the pastor said, Kenneth Hagin told us, dude, when, uh, when you get to heaven, you look around. And you, you'll see some people, you'll look for people that you thought would be there, and they won't be. And then he said, you'll look around, and you'll see people you thought would never be there, and they'll be there. And then you'll look at yourself and be amazed that you got there yourself. <laughs> right? Maybe that's why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How about our God is a consuming fire? So I've got about, man, I've got a lot, about 20 minutes worth of scripture. Just If I just read it and just read it, take about 15 minutes minimum. So I will do it next week. Y'all come back next week. Y'all want to do this? 2 Corinthians 7, 1 is in the list, however, and I close with this because we have these promises, dear friends. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Is that good? It's real good. Thank you, Paul. So I've got these questions. Do you actively seek to think on pure things? Uh, let's get real. You're on the internet, guess what? You're what, looking at the news, you got ads everywhere. You know what's on some of those ads, don't you? 
Do you look and then look again? And then click? Huh? Do you actively seek to think on pure things? Number two, do when questionable content comes on a movie or show or on an internet page you're looking at, do you change it? Number three, have you watched pornography this week? Just keep looking straight ahead. Do you lust after the opposite sex when in public? I've had women in our church, you know, they told me over the years that some men in our church, they just gawk and look. It happens even in church, y'all. Huh? Do you dress provocatively? Do you ask God to keep you pure? Are you accountable to anyone for your personal life? Would you model the way you live to someone else? Could a child follow you and live right? Do you lie? Ten, do you gossip, slander other people when they're not around? Do you talk about them in ways you wouldn't talk about them if they were in your presence? Lastly, are you seeking to actively, daily put Jesus in His kingdom first place in your life?